because it literally impacts their ability to do their job and it feeds back on itself over and over again. So, you know, no question, a poor experience or a good experience pays dividends down the line. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast focused on blending research and practical advice to help today's HR, talent, and learning leaders improve business outcomes. Let's welcome your host, Ben Eubanks. Hi, everyone. This is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human. Glad to have you here. That little intro snippet segment piece you just heard was from Dwayne Maltese. He's actually the CEO of Talentigy. And so we're going to hear from him a little bit about some new research they've done on candidate experience, dig into that data a little bit, and look at how that impacts employers and our hiring practices. One of the things I wanted to do really quick was because I can't help it. I love telling stories, and you know that. And I'll tell a story on myself in a heartbeat. And so years ago, we actually had one of the coolest things that I can, that I, I still love it. I still refer to it. I still share it freely. Um, we actually had this thing come up during the hiring process where we were a new company. People didn't really know us very well. And so we kept trying to explain to them, no, no, we're different from everybody else. And it was a struggle, right? It's hard to get people to understand that and believe that when everybody says they're different. And so one of the things that I did is I actually went through and took some of the learnings, the findings that I had from my early conversations with the founders of the company, with my own leaders and the, the senior leadership of the company, and created what I called our, the culture guide for our, for our, our firm. Right? It, it listed our core values, but it talked about real, practical, actual examples of how people live those out every single day. And so when we were going to interview someone, I used that culture guide. I would send that out and share it with them as a way to explain, this is who we are. This is an example of the kind of things we believe. And these are examples within this of actual things our, our employees have done in the past. This is how they serve customers. This is what we mean when we, when we say on time, every time, without fail. Like with that is a hard requirement for us. Here's how we make that happen. And so I went through and kind of explained those things for candidates and they loved it because it gave them a real view into what we believe, what we do, um, how we did put a value on things that in some companies they say they do, but in some companies we really did put a value on certain things. We want you to be excellent and here's how we're going to invest in you to make sure that happens and so on. So it was a really, really cool tool. One of the things that we did in that process, I again, that I loved and helped to improve our candidate experience. On the flip side, candidate experience wasn't always perfect. Uh, when I was recruiting, I did not always have the right mindset, and I still remember the exact place I was standing. I was actually standing in front of my kitchen stove. Um, got a text message from someone, one of our candidates. I was trying to fill four jobs, really tough positions to fill in a remote area, and so all those fun little factors that made it even more difficult than possible than usual. And so I was working through and I had one or two of the people and the last two were just sticking me. It was really, really tough. And I had a candidate I thought was going to say, yes, we had gone through. I'd actually talked to him three different times because he kept having more questions. And finally, the last time I was like, hey, let me know, right? Pain or get off the ladder. Tell me if you want to do this or not. I, I'd love for, to have you, but if you're not really interested and you're just kind of dragging this out, then I need you know, I'm going to need to find someone else. And he said, yeah, you know, actually I've heard negative things about your company. So I'm actually, I actually don't want to work there. And okay, I've got to explain something to you. So the reason I love recruiting 
as an introvert is because I don't get to talk about myself. I talk about the company. I talk about the culture. I talk about what we do, right? All those things I just talked about on the culture piece. I love talking about those things because I really believed in what we did. And so we were a brand new company. We had never, we had had two employees that ever quit the company ever. And they were both in Huntsville. This was for another state entirely. And so I knew this guy was, that was not accurate when he said, oh, I've heard from people that didn't like it. No, not true at all. And so unfortunately, I actually responded to him immediately, standing there in my kitchen, hot under the collar, text messages like, boom, that's okay. We don't need Candace like you anyway. Oh, and I still cringe thinking like that I actually sent that. And 10 minutes later, when I calmed down, I sent him an apology. Like, hey, that wasn't called for, you know, rough day, rough times. And I apologize. You know, if you don't want to go with us, that's fine. No big deal. And he never responded. And that's okay. But the very next day I had to go in to my boss, the CEO, and say, hey, by the way, I, um, I did this. And I just want to let you know, in case you hear from somebody, in case that guy tries to let you know, I wanted to let you know first. I screwed this up and it won't happen again. And he's like... Ooh, okay. And on one hand, he was like, okay, you know, this is a big deal. Make sure it doesn't happen again. But on the other, he's like, this is kind of cool. This guy's protecting our culture and he really believes what we do. So uh, he, he didn't get, get onto me too much, but I got onto myself more than anything else. So there you go. I'll tell you a story about myself, good and bad, give you a, a positive thing to shoot for and something to never, ever, ever sink to when you're doing your recruiting and candidate experience and focus on that piece of it. And now let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Today it's going to be a fun conversation. I've been talking a lot about recruiting in some of the last few shows, and one of the things that we hear consistently all the time is this concept of the candidate experience, what's involved with that, how to improve on that, and you know me. I love data. I love research. I love digging into the numbers and seeing how people actually feel about this, and there's, there's nothing wrong with surveying a bunch of recruiters and asking them. I love seeing their input. I also love seeing the input from candidates, people on the other end of the spectrum that are actually being put through this process we put together, how they feel about it, what do they like, what do they, like, what do they hate, everything else. And so we're going to dig into some of those things today. I'm really excited to have Dwayne Maltese. He's the, actually the CEO of Potentigy, and I am really excited to have the conversation and dig into this. So welcome to the show, Dwayne. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. So uh, I, guess we're, I guess we're squarely putting uh, the tape on our glasses today. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, the work there at, at the company, and then we'll dive into some of the research. Sure. So uh, like I said, hey, everybody, I'm Dwayne Maltese. Um, I'm a co-founder, and I'm also the CEO uh, at Talentigy. Uh, and what we do is provide an AI-enhanced um, talent analytics and engagement platform. And we measure both candidate, which is what we're focused on today, and employee experience is, is kind of our core product um, focus. And our platform sits on top of any HR system. We don't require any integrations. And in effect, we monitor every single transaction and interaction um, along the candidate journey. We look at how the systems are performing. We go deep into behaviors and sourcing data on the talent acquisition side. We also look to external sources like employer review sites um, and to give a company a, a single unified view across each of the talent functions, um, regardless of the systems involved. And then on the active side, we actually engage with the end users, in this case, the job seekers and candidates, to get direct feedback along the way and in some cases actually intervene if we feel like they're struggling uh, as well. 
And so, it, you know, Ben, as you can imagine, that generates a whole lot of data. And so our mm-hmm. platform uses machine learning as well as a large set of HR-specific business rules to automatically look at all of that and we'll raise alerts when issues are detected. So we kind of like to think of it as having your own analyst team working for you behind the scenes, continuously monitoring, in this case, the recruitment programs that we also uh, look at at the broader uh, area of talent management. I love that. When I, when I speak on AI, I talk about the, not the, just the value of automation. Right? There's, there's value there, but the value in augmenting those things that we do as humans. Right? We're really good at diving in and helping to solve those issues. We're not good at always identifying them, so I love having the data. Like, it's just there for you. It's curated, and like you said, there's alerts, everything else. I love that piece of it. So helping recruiters to be the best, or recruiting teams, talent teams, to be the best they can be is, uh, is pretty high calling for sure. So um, let's dive into some of the data, some of the research. So you guys recently did a big study on candidate experience, um, 4,000 participants, right? I, I want to make sure that I got that right. Yeah, it was a little over 4,000, but around 4,200 in all. And then we also tapped into um, our own data from uh, job seeker and candidate behavior, uh, which was millions of job seekers. But the survey itself canvassed uh, a little over 4,000 candidates uh, in March of this year. And uh, the main criteria is that they would have had applied to one or more jobs within the previous uh, 24 months. Okay. Awesome. So let's – can I pull out one of the stats that I thought was really interesting to start off? Yeah, you bet. Okay. So one of the stats in there that I, kind of blew me away a little bit is that basically 7 out of 10 job seekers said that if I had a negative experience in this process, the company didn't treat me well, didn't respect me, had a negative experience, I would never apply again pretty much was what they said. And that kind of blew me away because a lot of companies think, you know what, hey, it's it, – Candidates, they'll, they'll click the button, they'll apply. If they don't get it, they'll apply again. But to think that 7 out of 10 of those people are like, yeah, if, if it wasn't great, if they treated me poorly, if they didn't treat me like anything at all, then I might never even apply for them ever again. And I think employers sometimes forget about how important it is to focus on those kind of things. Yeah, no question. And, it, and I'm glad you kind of picked up on that one because, you know, we also have kind of a lead-off stab, and, and we're really trying to kind of cover – some of the impacts of candidate experience on the business. And, you know, another stat that we have in there is 54% of job seekers, you know, say a negative experience would impact their decision to buy or do business with that employer. And, and while that's a, an incredibly impactful statistic, I think the one that you're calling out uh, has far more relative impact on, you know, recruiting teams because it literally impacts their ability to do their job, and it feeds back on itself over and over again. So, you know, no question, a poor experience, uh, you know, or a good experience pays dividends down the line. Absolutely. Well, we always talk about growing our talent pool. We always talk about trying to reach more candidates, things like that. But if you're growing, you're adding people into this database that have a poor experience, and they're like, I'm not going to apply again. You reach out to me, I'm not going to be interested in that job because I remember how you treated me. Even if your people have applied in the past, you say, hey, we have – 3,000 resumes in our database, if 70% of those people say, hey, I'm not going to work with you because of how you treated me, employers don't think about those long-term repercussions of that in the moment. They just kind of, okay, we, we picked our winner, we moved on, and we didn't notify any candidates or whatever else. So um, goodness, it is kind of boggles the mind to think you're shrinking that candidate pool every time you open a job because you're potentially turning off more of those job seekers than you're actually collecting in in terms of resumes. So, yeah. 
And, and even if you look at, even if you kind of look at that in and of itself, I mean, let's, let's even take a kinder approach to it. Let's say that mm -hmm. if you reached out to those same candidates, let's say they would reapply again, they would re-engage. But think about all the extra work your recruiting teams have to do if they leave with a bad taste in their mouth and they're not proactively coming back and, and uh, learning more about your company and considering future positions you know, proactively and organically. So it, it, it's an incredibly impactful stat for recruiting and recruiting teams. So let's, let's, you talked a little bit about the, the business impact there. Um, actually, in the last episode we did, we talked to one of the directors of talent acquisition at Delta Airlines about their challenges, and she actually said specifically they have a specific process how to handle those candidates that aren't picked because so many companies don't do a good job of that. They said, we want to make sure that when they walk away from here, they're still willing to come back as a customer the company, and you mentioned a minute ago business impact. Is that the kind of thing you were thinking about as these people are also customers in some cases? Yeah, I mean, we, we're, you know, I'm firmly in the camp of, of treating candidate, candidates as, as well as you would treat customers. Uh, so I absolutely believe that. I think any the, the negative experience erodes not only the, the ability to recruit, the ability to, to attract talent, but also has a, a drag and a negative impact on, on not just the employer brand, but the, the company brand. So I'm, I'm squarely in that camp. I know there's a lot of you know, opinions and debate in the industry about the, the level of impact outside of HR and recruiting, um, but we definitely you know, feel that it has uh, uh, repercussions outside of just the talent acquisition uh, uh, area. Absolutely. Okay. So let's take another stat. Let's jump into something else that you found in the study. Um, I know there was something in there about how job seekers are – researching and examining the employers before they ever even jump into the process potentially to apply. They're trying to understand, okay, who is this? Is this someone I want to get into a, a relationship with as an employer? Talk about that. Yeah, so you know, we really wanted to kind of probe a couple of areas. We, we tried to focus in on what are candidate perceptions and you know, what are their behaviors as they kind of get started <clears throat> in looking for a new career. And so we asked them, you know, how much time do they actually spend in learning about an employer. And so we learned that 44% of them are at least spending an hour or two uh, to do research uh, on specific employers, uh, with another 12% going as high as three to five hours. And that's, that's for the individual employer. That's not across the entire job search. So that's, you know, that's a fair amount of time uh, that someone takes to learn about an employer, research what they do as a company, certainly opportunities for companies to tell their best story and, and engage with uh, candidates during that research. Um, and then we also asked them to pick their top three resources or the, the top resources that they used when they start to consider a job change. We didn't ask them to rank them. We just said, pick your top resources and we let them pick up to three um, and had a number of uh, uh, options there from job boards to professional social networks, career website um, recommendations, um, company career website search engines. Um, you can you can see all of it in the report. But what kind of bubbled out uh, up top was you know still uh, job seekers are are using job boards quite heavily. Seventy five percent overall said they use that as a component of their research. That was followed by professional social networks at fifty six percent, and third place uh, overall ended up being a career website at thirty one percent. So. Uh, definitely a broad set of sources, resources and sources used to learn about employers uh, along the way. Yeah. Well, 
it's a reminder that employers can't just say, okay, let's build a really great career site and hope that works, hope that tells our story, because some candidates never even get to that point because the presence they have in those other areas might not lead them to think, okay, this is a brand I want to be associated with, or this isn't a company that's exciting or interesting because they've put all their money and effort and time into investing in the, the branding piece purely on their own properties instead of making sure they're in these other areas as well. Yeah, we actually dug into that too, and, and we, we kind of looked at the – we looked at the areas where companies couldn't control the message. Um, so we, we actually asked folks to rate um, the level of importance that they placed on, on those types of, of places to find out about an employer. So things like um, getting information back from friends and peers, um, looking at professional and non-professional social media, looking at employer review sites. And in, in those four areas, we saw that overall – you know, it was about 80%, 84% of folks um, ranked employer review sites uh, with, as being, you know, somewhat too extremely important in their overall research and, and consideration of an employer. That was followed by, um, closely by feedback from friends and peers at about 84%, just a, a tick below uh, the, the, on, a, on a point scale from the, uh, from the employer review sites. And then professional social media, scored in at 67, and non-professional social media uh, came in around 36. So definitely uh, folks are considering um, areas outside of the control of the employer when they're researching companies and also when they're considering whether to apply or join an organization. Mm. Goodness, okay. Exciting, goodness gracious. I'm, my mind's all whirling with all the, all the, the data points or anything else. Um, so the big takeaway there, what would you say the big takeaway is for employers on that piece of the research? Well, I think, I think overall it's to understand you know, that folks are using a variety of sources to learn about them uh, as an employer, to learn what, uh, not just look, looking specifically for jobs, but to learn about what it's like working for the organization. And so they have to take that in, into consideration. I mean, certainly, you know, while the career website is not the only resource that's used, they can control the message. They can provide good and compelling content there. Um, so they should. They absolutely should. But also, you know, it's critically important to understand that, that job seekers are using a variety of other sources outside of the career website to do that research. Um, and there's a, you know, in some cases, there's big swings generationally. I mean, we, you know, I mentioned those, those kind of top three areas for, uh, for the, just the research components, for, so job boards, professional social networks, and the career website. When we look at, at the same data generationally, um, you know, we look at millennials and Gen Z, then search engines start moving much more heavily into that, you know, that third position and actually displace the career website in some cases. And then we often see in the data flips between professional and non-professional social media generationally where millennials and Gen Zs utilize, you know, and we'll say non-professional, but when we think about things like um, you know, Facebook uh, versus a LinkedIn, so to speak, and uh, what they're using to learn about employers and, and kind of get messaging and, and get feedback there as well. So they tend to use those resources. So it's not just, you know, a, a broad set of resources that are being used to determine whether or not someone might be interested in, in an employer uh, uh, from that standpoint, but it also there's a pretty big generational mix um, from a behavior standpoint. So it's important to understand that it's important for a company to have the right mix and to really pay attention to what's being said about them externally. Very, very interesting. Goodness. So 
if someone wants to dig into this, I'll make sure and get the link into the show notes so they can so they can learn more, so they can again dig into the research to their heart's content. Right? Some of them may not be as as data nerdy as you and I are, but I think there's a lot of interesting stories there, a lot of points in there they can pull out and help them to either understand it themselves, like wrap their heads around this like you were just saying, but also to make the case internally, to make the case to their own leadership, to say, hey, you know what, we've been telling you this can experience stuff matters. Here's some data to prove it. Here's some data to, to show that we need to be investing in this. Here's a, we can build a business case that can show the value of this. Um, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to use that data to, to support those types of conversations as well beyond just saying, oh, that's neat. We should probably do this better, and let's, let's get back to our daily jobs. I think a lot of those, those HR leaders and recruiting leaders, actually, um, that I talked to are saying, yes, candidate experience is important. We did a little poll at an event last week, 250 TA leaders in the audience, and candidate experience is one of the top three things out of anything they could focus on in recruiting that they said was a big deal for them and their company. But then when I'm talking to them one-on-one, I say, yeah, but it's just this big thing to wrap our arms around, and we're trying to understand how to do it better and everything else. So the data can help you wrap your arms around it, but also give you that, that support for a business case if you need to get some investment or something else to, to make that happen. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, and we really tried, um, you know, the, the report's about 100 pages. And so, like, the first 10 or 15 pages are kind of our analysis and summary, um, you know, based on what we've seen. We, we kind of compare and contrast and, and try and bring some things together. Um, but, you know, the, the other uh, the, the, uh, sections and the other content of the report are really all of the stats and, and charts, so to speak, and all the raw data. So we really encourage companies to certainly look at the, the research and the analysis that we've done. But, you know, we provide, you know, all of the information there uh, so you can dig in on something that's important to you and draw your own conclusions from that standpoint. So definitely – um, would love to see companies utilize this to, to help drive internal initiatives. Awesome. Like I said, I'll make sure you get the, sh- the link to the download page in the show notes so people can go and get that. It's totally free. Get all the research and, and dive in. If someone else wants to learn more about Talentogy, what's the best way to do that? So uh, you can find us over at Talentogy.com, and uh, also we're up on LinkedIn. And, and Ben, as you said, the report uh, it's on the website, so you can go and download it uh, always free uh, from there. Um, and so we can easily connect uh, along those ways, or if you just want to grab a copy of the research, you can do it at the website. And we're also going to be um, releasing in July uh, a companion piece to the report uh, that will bring in segmentation based on job level, so everything from entry level up to senior management uh, as well. So in this first iteration, we kind of pivoted off the generations and overall, and uh, we'll be supplementing that in July with a look at uh, how various job levels uh, uh, that look at the same uh, data and cut it a bit differently. So all that's up on the website. Uh, definitely stop by, grab a copy, and would love to chat with anybody that uh, wants to, to just have a good discussion around candidate experience or, or could use some help. Awesome. Very cool. Dwight, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to join us. This has been a lot of fun. Hey, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. To everybody else, thank you for joining us today. Hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been Eubanks host of We're Only Human, and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to We're Only Human. Please take a moment to share this episode with another HR leader who might see it as a valuable resource in their daily work. For more information about the podcast and to see all our show archives, please visit upstarthr.com.